You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and this is not a victory edition of the podcast. <laughs> Texas loses to TCU 33-31. The Longhorns played with fire and got burned, <laughs> had so many self-inflicted wounds, they bled out. Whatever analogy you want to use to describe <laughs> this game, uh, it was long and it wasn't pretty. Uh, and we will break it all down here on this latest edition of the Blitz. Let me bring in the rest of the team that will be alongside for this adventure. He is the drop machine extraordinaire, the master of the soundboard, our lead research analyst here on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about yourself? Uh, I've had better football weekends between the Longhorns <laughs> oh and the Cowboys. It was, Texans? Uh, yeah, Rod, you as a Texans fan. It's, he was uh, brutal this weekend. Pretty rough. Yeah. SMU and TCU, I guess. They're celebrating. We've uh <laughs> private school we, Dallas places. We've arrived we've arrived at OU week, gentlemen, but it doesn't really feel like it, at least early in the week. We'll see if I'm sure that'll Very change weird. later in the week. Uh, oh. A man who knows a thing or two about Texas OU week, uh, and about football matters in Austin, Texas. Period is the third member of our team. He is our lockdown corner here. Longhorn Blitz, lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003, spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Man. That was good. You, that was actually, yeah, you're especially crisp. Early in the morning. Especially that's, crisp that's today. The, that's the uh, that's, that's, that's the espresso shot talking this morning. Okay. So, good job. Rod, that. Texas needed an espresso shot or two or four 20 on Saturday morning because here's my thing. I, I want to start off the TCU they came out too hyped, Jeff. Oh, man, well, that I, beginning of that game was about <laughs> as ugly as any football yeah. game in the history of the world, and I'm not even talking about the stuff on the field. Yeah, I want to start the TCU loss off with this. Let's just shove the penalties aside in the official <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a different conversation altogether. Rod, to me, and having watched this program, I followed it from afar while you were playing all the way through the Colt McCoy years, covered it during the later years, of, was right there with it. The later years of Mac Brown's tenure, throughout mm-hmm. Charlie Strong's tenure, and now throughout Tom Herman's tenure. Oh, yeah. And this has always bothered me about this program. When you have a game where, let's face it, like the Texas Tech game was your mulligan. You were sloppy, you're booting the ball Early all over on, the place. Early in the season. But you won. And they yeah. said, okay, yeah, hey, like we'll, 
there, there's your, there's your one. You you got the W. It happens. Beats the alternative. The football gods were on your side that right. day. Go get it fixed. Yep. And you come out the next week, Rod, and yes, the officiating was a you-know-what show, but you didn't get it fixed. Mm. You looked lackadaisical from the start. There wasn't any juice. You're dropping passes, committing penalties. The Some stuff on defense that we saw that needed to get fixed in the Texas Tech game was better. You still gave up too many explosive plays at the wrong time. Misalignment, guys being out of position cost you dearly. Rod, it's just it is there's nothing more infuriating to me as a football observer than watching a team that is sloppy and does not pay attention to details. And through three games, that is the one thing I can unequivocally say about this Texas team in 2020. Yep. They are a sloppy football team that does not pay attention to details. Yeah. It's it's very <laughs> you know, it's very interesting that these issues, man, that have pers- persisted uh, for Texas for so long. Yes. And they just seem coaches. to keep coming up through three coaches. And it, it's, re- I mean, it's eerie at this point. I, you know what I mean? Now people, are, people got me thinking about curses and stuff. Reverse it is, culture. Yeah, it is really, really <laughs> freaky. I can't figure it out. And, and to that point, you just hit the nail on the head. From last week on that stage, the comeback being as dramatic as it was, right? That was actually the first. Uh, comeback for Tom Herman, right? That was his first fourth quarter comeback win. When trailing trailing going into the fourth quarter. quarter. First one he had ever gotten. Knew you were lucky to get it, but you had Sam Millinger on your side, and you know what? He's he's capable of that, and that's great. Mm -hmm. But to not fix the issues, to not have learned the lessons. You had 10 penalties in the Texas Tech game. It was worse in this game versus TCU. Uh, your offense had stretches. So you bring up that third quarter specifically, Jeff, where the average were less than three yards per 2. play 9. versus Tech. And, in my brain. You know, so in terms of offensive consistency, you wanted to uh, find more ways to get into a rhythm in that game. You didn't. There was no rhythm. There was no, no rhythm to the offense at all. There was no rhyme or reason really to the offense. They did find ways to churn out big plays, but they were miracle plays. I mean, a lot of your touchdowns, look, look, go back and look at those drives, guys. It took Sam's longest run of his career <laughs> on one of them. It really did. Like, it's a convert. It took the longest run of his career. I'm not making that up. That's the truth. It's like a 36-yard run raise for your, him. <laughs> raise your hand right now if you had Jared Wiley going for 52 yards on third and 25. And I'll yeah. call you a liar if you've got your hand That's what I'm saying. Like, it took some of these miracle plays, which that's great, but – those are not going to be there consistently. You got to learn how to stay ahead of the change. You got to learn how to have a a more consistent offensive uh, identity. And I really didn't see that in the game. But hey, I'm glad that they found a way to make plays. But the lessons they should have learned from the Tech game. You know what? Defense probably learned the most lessons. Special teams is a disaster. Mr. Bullware, Mr. Bullware, man, they got They got to do something. Like. You, you you got a special teams coach now, right? Is that that's what he is? Yeah, allegedly, allegedly Man. you hire a special teams coach. To, yeah, to I might need. It. Yeah, I might need to think about something else, a new plan. He he, that special team does not look good. I, I, special teams doesn't look great. I don't know though, Rod. If 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 that's a Jay Bulwer issue, that to me is a systemic issue because special teams hasn't changed any from last year. Well, no, so I, I don't know. If I don't, you, if you so brought you, if you brought you in here? all these coaches and then gave one guy the title, he's responsible for it. So he I'm is just responsible. Gonna put, I'm, I'm gonna put the guy that's responsible for it. Like, hey, right. that's the one that's got get the guy that's getting paid. I'm sure a little bit extra, so I can have that in your title. Well, 
that's responsibility. So when that part of the part of the phase of the team is terrible mm-hmm. and really bad, then that's you're responsible for. My point is there was an emphasis on it in the offseason, and it ain't yeah. better. No, no, it's it's worse. It's yeah. worse. The glaring it's holes worse. have became more glaring. Yeah, <laughs> I will give the defense credit, and I did all all game long. I thought the defense improved on things. The missed tackles, they improved on that. I agree. All right, I'll go back and count them, but I, I bet there were less than 10 in the entire game. There were some stretches where I was like, ah, oh, that's bad. But for the most part, I think they cleaned up the missed tackles. And in the Big 12, we've always talked about it. Defense has got to be situational. That's the real – I mean, I know they gave up four, 400 and, what, 40 something yards, mm-hmm. something crazy like that. But situationally, in the red zone, they were magnificent. They were magnificent in the red zone. And I know, yeah, people get mad about – the and this is matter of fact, this is on Chris Ash and now on the players. Those touchdowns by Max Duggan where oh. they go empty formation and then they decide to void the A gaps yep. and put the interior the defensive tackles on the outside Give shades of the guard and then put the inside linebackers also outside so almost on the edge of the box and no and the safeties also wide. Well hell. <laughs> yeah, no Duggan. It's, it's, it's like parting of the Red Sea, part of the burnt orange sea. I mean, what the hell man? It was, and it happened twice. And, it was and you so did not simple. adjust. So Chris Ash. That's on you. Yeah. That's on you, Chris Ash. Yeah. What the hell, man? Yeah. What the hell, man? Yeah. You you should you should have ran over and called the timeout. I'm like, Tom, I'm sorry, man. I gotta take your timeout. Yeah, they was gonna get us again. Gary I saw Patterson. it. What the hell you doing? So that's on the coaches, but ultimately defense, the players, I love their effort. I thought they corrected a lot of things. Cornerback still giving up some big plays. That's gonna happen in the Big Twelve, but they limited uh, explosive plays as much as they could. I thought the dam just broke for them at the end. Because yeah. the offense didn't help them out enough. Special teams didn't help them out enough. I want to get to that enough. in just a sec. Real quick, Matt, I know you got something to say, but, Rod, getting back to you on the on the two draws, specifically <laughs> the last one, Duggan <laughs> scored. Gary Patterson said, yeah, credit Max for checking to a draw. I'm like, well, I would hope he would check to a draw or something. <laughs> yeah. Something in the middle thought, of the field. I thought oh. y'all had ten players on the field. He probably saw they count. I'm like, no, whoa, whoa, they got to be missing Just detail. snap it. Oh, they're not missing a detail. Oh, well, hell, that's – you're right. They didn't even need to check really to a draw. He could just – but it was just brilliant of him. Now, the, the obviously, the blocking scheme yeah. helps him out. Well, and just because, like, you already explained how the line was set up. So, all oh, Duggan was doing, he was back there, and the second he saw Court's eyeballs – just look at the guy to the right because he has to see if somebody's coming to his area. He was just waiting for him to take his eyes off him from one second. And he took, I mean, that was so perfect of a decision that quickly by Duggan because he knew what he was doing pre-snap. He was just baiting basically. He was like, y'all are going to do this? Okay, the second that he is going to be turning the wrong way or looking the wrong way, I'm taking off. And he's already in the end zone before anybody else can figure it out. And the whole issue across the team, it sort of was like, you know, you talk about some of the whole parts. It was sort of the sum of the deficiencies is what Texas just had because when you look across the board you can sort of be like well you know they did do this well but this one guy had this one glaring drop had one horrible just pre-snap brain fart and you line up you know not on the line of scrimmage or on the line of scrimmage like you can look across the board in each skill position guy you can look on the offensive line each had an issue and it was like well Maybe just one mistake a game isn't going to kill you. But if you all are making those mistakes and you consistently then become a sum 
of problematic issues, yep. you're not going to be able to overcome it if you stack one upon the other yep. for all four quarters. Like you can get away with them. Sometimes those things happen on the same play. It's a busted play and you move on. And that's a problem. Texas just hasn't been consistent in the Tom Herman era. And that's the issue that Texas fans have worried about because we've talked about the ceiling's higher and it gets the hype and you yep. see that there's potential, there's more talent, all the things that you wanted him to do when he built it. But then when you can go out there and get the results, it comes down to just one or two simple things, but done across the whole roster that over a full football game, you aren't going to be able to overcome those unless you are the Alabamas and the Clemson. You aren't at that point yet. And you got so much talent where, okay, your talent might just end up winning out. And then when your top players in certain issues have the biggest mistakes, I mean, you don't want to call out names, but we already saw what happened with each guy. Like you had potential touchdowns by maybe your best receiver and best running back that are simple plays that you sort of follow through that then becomes something that's so much bigger of an issue and it sort of negates any success they can have during a game. The, yeah. That kind of what you said, Matt, I think it kind of goes back to what I said at the top. Yeah. If you're a sloppy, if you're a clean football team that pays attention to details, you're not dealing with those mistakes. No. You're not dealing with and those And you aren't issues. in those positions yeah. where that third and four means so much more than it should. And, yep, that's exactly right. And Rod, it, it's it, it's kind of a, com- a concoction of a lot of things. That's like players Cowboys. not paying attention to detail. It's just sloppiness all over the field. You don't look like a well coached team. Man, you're not gonna you're not gonna beat Gary Patterson playing <laughs> a lot of games that way. Yeah. No, yeah, you I mean, you get might out-coached. you're playing like Mike McCarthy again. And, and, and the, the the frustrating thing is when you watch this team, you know there's talent there because. It, 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 this is just I'm I'm about to get on a Kansas rant. And I'm Please trying do. to I'm trying to control mm-hmm. myself. Please do. I'm getting sick and tired of the phrase, and this is this is on Tom Herman. I'm getting sick and tired of uttering the phrase, as bad as they played, they were still in a position to win the game at the end. <laughs> the Oklahoma game last year, That's the Iowa State the game season. last year. How many times all all year, like the Kansas game last year, the Texas Tech game two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. How I'm I, it's it's just nauseating to say, well, as bad as they play that no, stop playing bad football. Pay attention <laughs> to detail. Clean it up. You know what needs to get fixed. Go fix it. You just said it. The details, though, yeah. seem to be uh, what's lacking. I think that's the the penalties. You know, and one of the things that I procedural re- stuff that sometimes procedure. I mean, you're right. They call they're getting they're calling timeouts because they're getting delay uh, delay games on punts. <laughs> How do you get a delay like, game on a punt? a punt? You're supposed to be on the sideline on third down yeah. with the punt team discussing the punt. That's what we all did. It was like, all right, uh, let's go, posse, right. posse, let's yeah. go. How and many you, times? You get ready, right. and you have a you literally have like a minute and uh, 90 seconds to talk to the players. And you only what have like four hell? of them a game. <laughs> at, the, <laughs> at the high school, at the middle school level, you're taught when the down marker goes to third down yard offense, punt. third alert, punt team. Punt third. team, let's go, punt team. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, normally those are the guys that are sprinting out to get their procedure done because it's the only time you get on the field. Normally, like, I remember back in the day, if you would get a, some type of mental mistake on yeah. special teams, they're like, oh, we have a whole team full of people that will play special teams. You're going to brain fart that one away. We'll this get is, somebody else in there. That's yeah. what special teams are for. Listen, guys, we meet, we, and I know we'll <laughs> get to the game and some of the details here, but, you know, Tom Herman is – is the issue here, and I and I and I, I listen. I'm a Tom Herman fan. I'm not on you know fire Tom Herman and all that kind of stuff. But you know you have the great stat, um, Jeff, that in games in Big Twelve 
where they're favored by a touchdown or well, six points. Six plus. At least six points, six points or more. That hell now they're was four, four nine, nine and, and one. one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? He's four nine and one. Was it sorry, twelve and two? Against the spread. Twelve and, and two with, overall. With two outright losses. Four yeah. nine and one. Great stat. And now you get the stat from ESPN Stats and Info. I love the stats. Great stat. He has six losses versus ranked opponents while Texas is ranked. So mm-hmm. when Texas is ranked, she's got six losses versus unranked opponents. That's the most in the FBS. Mm-hmm. So you talk that, that whole, you know, that stigma about him that his teams play down to the competition. They always lose games they're not supposed to. That's that's Tom Herman now. Yeah. Like, that's not a reputation thing. That's who he is as a coach. Yeah. It's great that as an underdog, thank God Texas is an underdog versus OU. As an underdog, he's unbelievable. One of the mm-hmm. best coaches in college football is an underdog. Everybody knows the numbers. But <laughs> Texas isn't supposed to be an underdog. That's the whole point of being yes. Texas. You can't, you're, not gonna, you're not supposed to be an underdog. Bama, you know, when they're an underdog, it's a big deal. No, when, <laughs> yeah. when you watch, when you, you talk about when Clemson, anymore. Ohio State, it's right. like, oh, they haven't been underdogs since 2012. And exactly. it's like, what the hell? How many, how many times has Ohio State <laughs> gone into the Michigan game or going to play Penn State where you're thinking, I hope those plucky little Buckeyes can pull the upset today? <laughs> right? No. No, we're not scrappy, right? <laughs> we're not, you know, we're not supposed to be, uh, they're scrappy, man. You better watch those Longhorns when they're underdogs. Like, so that's what Texas is becoming because I think that's part of Tom Herman. I don't think he necessarily has evolved as a coach. I don't know if it happened. I still think he is who he is. He's sort just like surrounded with himself Orlando. with different coaches, and which is great. So hopefully they they are whatever he is, his, his, his skill set does not have as a coach, hopefully he hired guys who do have that within them, and they can have the perfect amalgamation, the perfect chemistry, the alignment as he talks about. But right now, Tom Herman's the same guy. You know what I He's think? He's the same guy. Yeah. This is the same team. This is re- this team reflects him. They have his issues. Yeah, and he never you- looked himself in the mirror in the offseason. I doubt he did it. I just think he hired good people. But I don't know if he had the man in the mirror moment because if he did, I don't know if we'd have these types of issues yeah. where guys on the – before you come out on the punt, you're getting you know, t- calling timeouts because you're going to get delay of games. Like That's something in the offseason that it doesn't take a miracle to fix. Maybe missed tackles, that kind of stuff. You can blame that on COVID. You can blame – dude, really? I'll, I'll say this. Procedural we, we, penalties we, with we, a senior quarterback? We we roasted Charlie Strong for a, the same stuff. Right, with mm-hmm. a left tackle that's supposed We're, to be first-round pick? The same stuff that everybody said Charlie Strong is an incompetent head coach and yada, yada, yada. This, Tom Herman's doing the same stuff. Same yeah. exact stuff. Same exact stuff. And, and, and he, he's Tom Herman at least got a fourth year, unlike Charlie Strong. So for, for it to be happening three games in the year four, in a lot of ways, is even more egregious, Rod. It is. I agree with you. This is a veteran team. This, and, it's, and he's talking. After today, I heard Tom Herman, what, he said he's got to talk to the leadership council. Hmm. <laughs> for what? <laughs> exactly. He's got to, to see what the issues are. I'm like, to see what the issues are. The three of us can film. see the issues. Watch Everybody the, listening to this show can see the watch issues. Watch the field with the coaches you just hired, and that's what the issues are. You don't need to talk to the leadership council. The leadership council needs to be led right now because this wouldn't be happening if the leadership council actually – because I can tell you right now, Casey Hampton in the locker room, yeah. And, Not every team you know, is a players led team. You yeah, know? what happened to the player led team, right? Those are the guys. Well, you know, Sam Ellinger's a senior. Caden Stearns, you said he was the Sam Ellinger of your defense. Chris Ash, Joseph Fazai is a damn good player. I predict he'd be defensive player of the year. He's on that track in, in the Big 12. You got you got players in Cosme. I mean, what's what's Colbert. going on? What's going on? Something's going on. It ain't all, it ain't to, this team ain't together. They don't play together. Which they don't is play surprising. together. They don't play with alignment. Sorry. Yeah. 
Sorry, Tom Herman. I know you say y'all were together. I know y'all marched together. That's great. Y'all don't play together. You can march together. You ain't playing together. And that was the one thing that we were hoping because, like, we knew coming in, and this isn't about COVID, but we knew coming into college football that COVID would make everything be more or sloppier than it would be if it wasn't around, most likely. But we were like, man, but Texas. Texas is in a good spot. Texas has a lot of facilities, has a lot of guys in different areas, a senior-led player. Like, I thought those type of things actually may be impacting Texas positively in context to the rest of college football. It's like, not just as sloppy and maybe even uglier than those. And then the glaring issues that you mentioned from Tom Herman's whole tenure that you sort of were trying to clean up and purge out are ones that when you're there seeing them come back in year four, it was sort of like the season opener just happened two weeks later than normal. This, this is just like it's the Maryland those, game. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just bizarro, a little bit <laughs> off on it. You know? <laughs> UTEP couldn't be that bad. I'm you glad like, you went there, Matt, because like Rod, pretty good this too. is I don't know if this is the issue, but this is one of the things I'm hung up on is I've had time to think about it in the forty eight hours or whatever almost since that loss as we sit here and record this, this program under Tom Herman cannot handle success. I agree with that. They and can't then, handle success. And also not very good in failure. Like, what, now 2-12 and 12 when trailing at halftime? Well, no, yep. but, like, both but, ways. But, but here, when you aren't but, doing on, both roads. Hold on, but hear me out, point? though. Oh, I hear you out. I go, agree with like, you. Go back and look at 2017, right? All the positive things. You have a coaching change in the offseason. All the positive things we heard about. You go out and have that performance against Maryland. Mm-hmm. Go later in that 17 season. You beat West Virginia on the road. You beat a ranked team. You're you're flying high. You're bowl eligible. You come out and save Cliff Kingsbury's job on Black Friday by laying an egg against Texas Tech. You win the bowl game against Missouri. Go through that offseason. Everybody's hyped. Everybody's great. You go out and lose the opener to Maryland. That same year, 2018, you start 6-1. and one. You beat Oklahoma. You beat Baylor. You go, you go lose a game in Stillwater. You go lose a game at home to West Virginia. And, and think about leading up to that Oklahoma State game, you had Chris Boyd and Devontae Davis suspended for the first quarter. Mm-hmm. You, all these issues. Right? Last year, we talked about it, them thumping their chest over a close loss to LSU, thinking, oh, yeah, we can play with the best in the country. Mm-hmm. And you go out in Oklahoma, beat your brains in. Yeah. Now, remember, remember, talking trash to OU. Yeah. Before, that week before, mm-hmm. B.J. Foster was talking trash. Yeah. Those guys on the O-line talking Sam trash. Sam Cosby was. And the whole offseason <laughs> after the Sugar Bowl. <laughs> it was a seven-point game, but that game felt like you lost it by 20. Yeah, you were being dominated. You lost game. a physicality battle yeah. in a landslide. Dumb penalty. OU hinge you this season, possibly? That, that, is, great point. that is another reason. Right, those, all those Tom Herman numbers we talked about? Yeah. Again, I don't know if that's the reason, but. I'm leaning towards that. This program, and it starts with Tom Herman, cannot handle yep. success at all. It. It's Tom Herman, though. Yeah, those are different players. Those are different players. You know, different leadership. And I will say, I, I think at first, I think it might have been you know Sam. Sam's very cocky. You know, what I mean that, oh, yeah. that we're back and all that. And I think Sam expressed humility after that. I think he understood, like, okay, okay, yeah, we ain't back. I need to. We we got a lot of work to do. I think I look at you. I think you're right. I think Tom Herman doesn't handle success really well, and then that filters down and trickles yeah. down to the team and their attitude. Yeah, the urgency. There's something to be exactly. said because I know they relax. They I relax. know that I've they done relax. it literally in daily fantasy when I've had like my best days, and you don't think you're relaxing, but you don't realize the urgency that you need that like you got you to the point. You got that you to that point to that you're working so hard. That and desperation. Then you're, then you're happy with. on top, and you think, all right, I need to just keep this going, and then you don't realize until you self-assess that you actually. Actually, 
lost that urgency thereafter yeah. and weren't treating it the same way until like it gets your backs against the wall and you got to do this and be successful or not. And then you get that urgency back and you're able to be successful again. But very few people can be like Nick Saban whenever he won his first championship at Alabama and everybody else is going to celebrate. They're on a plane mm-hmm. and he tells everybody, I need facilities, upgrades. I need this. He wasn't done working. It's the Belichickian no days off when they're at a parade and he's telling them brainwashing a whole city no. to Days no days no. off and all no that and like very off. few people and it's yeah. only human nature and it's only understandable but also i really think that what you explained with herman's whole career with his time at texas really fits the exact same profile that you are working hard you know you think you're doing it right you're getting it online but it seems to be the reoccurrence that once you get to that area where you can maybe eclipse to the next and not plateau or fall off the cliff that urgency maybe isn't there or isn't being connected or the players don't have it or there's a disconnect on one of the many different aspects each time but either way your urgency's gone and then you aren't treating it the same and then you have to work so hard just to try to get back and then you're going to run it like we're going to be talking about year five by this time and now it's you're in year four and you run out of time and a lot of the time you never get that opportunity I just, it's, I can imagine from a, from a fan perspective just how frustrating this is to watch. And, Rod, you, you mentioned something there that I think, look, to me you almost have to have two separate arguments. Like, I, we praised Tom Herman for everything he did in the offseason. And oh, I, think yeah. it, I think it was great. I don't think you'd take anything away from that. No, no doubt. But when it comes to the stuff on the field, you mentioned a word there with Sam Ellinger that I think is key. Got to have a little bit of humility. He did. Sam expressed humility after that. He you knew. get humble. Post sugar. Has Tom yeah. and as you pointed out, has Tom Herman had that man in the mirror moment where you've been, where you realize you've been humbled, where now you have you, you have some humility. Based on the product through three games, I don't know that he has. That's what I'm, I'm saying. I wonder what the man in the mirror moment was in the off season because it should have, Matt. To get to your point, it should have been about desperation. At that yeah. we should have been thinking. My my job's on. I just had to fire all right my closest like, oh, friends, all staff. All right, you know what. I'm rededicating myself. This is we got to get all these issues it's my fixed. Last let's shot list at these. It. It's listed all this. List all the issues and let's fix them all. Let's go through it. My new staff and I understand you can't have you know instantaneous success overnight, but you have to admit watching the product, we haven't seen much improvement considering the revamping of the staff. And we just want baby steps. I think fans just want to see baby steps, mm-hmm. and you haven't really seen that against the true competition they play. UTEP, everything looked mm-hmm. great, but a, as we all know, I'd rather script. have watched a spring game than watch that. It UTEP actually game. may be more worrisome because I've yeah. seen stuff like guys get schemed open. I've seen stuff where it could have been easier this year. But you've had so many other very simple problematic issues that totally negate where, like, maybe a few schematic things or short up areas on, well, not necessarily the defense this week isn't a great example. But there's at least been situations where you've been put into a better spot with the coaching, at least is on some X's and O's, yet you look maybe even worse at times, which really is showing that your issues are really big and the mistakes you're making, you're paying for them even more. The, the good in the TCU game, to get back to it, because I, I, there was some good. O- offensively? Let's, start, let's stick with the offense. Let's, with the go, offense? let's talk with the offense. Offensively, when and I would say the initial game plan was not good, but I just think Gary Patterson's a, a much better coach than the Texas coaches, and he always I think his game plan always is better to start off with. And in-game adjustments. When I looked at the adjustments that Texas made, you realize that most of those big plays Texas was getting were double moves, mm-hmm. right? That's what they – I think either they put that in as a 
you know, as a contingency plan, or they figured, all right, you know, these TCU DBs are really aggressive. They play bump and run. By the way, wide receivers not handling bump and run necessarily really well. But I did see them add double moves, more and more double moves. Matter of fact, the Eagles touchdown was a double move. Remember that Eagles play where they reviewed it and they thought it would be a touchdown and mm-hmm. ends up being dropped? That was a double move. Jake Smith's P.I., double move when he had the P.I., and I think he was he was separated on that one. The Josh Moore interception, which probably should have been a touchdown if him and Sam were on the same page, mm-hmm. double move. Yeah. Him and Sam just weren't on the same page. And you go look at that, you know, that um, that Alvante Woodard, deep ball, they get down the sideline. Yep, double move. Yeah. So they, the TCU, they figured out like, oh, we'll give them. They just kept shooting themselves in the foot. Either not making the play or hitting a penalty. All those so plays they, just right. Those are, those, are, those are big chunk yardage plays. Make yeah. your, your life a whole lot easier. So they they figured out something right around there, and then like, like then they were their own worst enemy. Dumb middle school mistakes. <laughs> yeah, like that. That makes it even more frustrating because that's when it comes down to simple things or disciplined things yeah. or just. And I mean, sometimes there are certain people that don't. Handle By the way, I don't think the Jason well. thing was a PI, but that was just uh, uh, that goes one. back to the look. Yeah, I didn't think that oh, was yeah. a PI. Can we take a timeout real quick and just talk about the officiating? The first thirty minutes the, was so comical; it was like an SNL skit. Like I couldn't it believe was. it was happening. It was the, pretty the obvious. Officiate, and I, I watched the Iowa State uh, Oklahoma game Saturday night. The officiating in this league is an absolute joke. It is. When it's Bob, Bob from, from Bob Bowlesby on down, every everybody in the Big Twelve should be ashamed of themselves for the officiating that, that happens. Yeah. When well, the COVID impact of officiating is huge. No, 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 no. I'm adding on to the. I agree with you fully. I'm not making an excuse, but it's just like minor league umpires in the MLB and like whenever the NFL gets the top and cream crop and you have the certain situation where you don't have travel and you don't have crews, so you have a lot more local guys no, that I have never that. worked together. So just explaining to the listeners, that's a big reason why across all of college football that we have so much worse mm-hmm. of groups of officiating because not only are they probably – inferior in context to what they normally are. They've also have never worked with one another and don't know each other, so it's going to be even worse. I, should, I shouldn't have to look up the referee's name during a game. I shouldn't have to know your name if you're a referee. <laughs> yep, I agree with that. I shouldn't. Yeah, I'm not there to watch you do your job. That's why, like, in terms of Big 12 officials, that's why I loathed Mike DeFee. I'm like, I shouldn't know your name. <laughs> you should be completely irrelevant. I'm not there to watch you officiate a game. Agreed. Ed Malloy. I'm not there to watch you control a game. Yeah, Rod, the, the officiate the officials, and I'm. It, it was on both sides. It was no, they oh, yeah. did. They yeah. did. They tried as hard as they could to make that game unwatchable. Exactly, I would say it wasn't necessarily biased either way. No, right. they were just bad. They <laughs> even went turned on the mic to be like, "Oh, we're gonna go review this because we aren't sure where to they place reviewed the ball." They a review at one point. I know that's what I'm saying. Like, and then Whoa. they told the crowd review, about review. it. It was yeah, hilarious. Like, there crazy. was. In the Iowa State Oklahoma game, I'm like, man, Texas and TCU, like Texas had 14 penalties, 13 penalties, TCU had 12. I'm like, man, that's a lot of penalties. I look in the middle of the third quarter in Oklahoma. I think it was like middle of the third quarter, early fourth quarter in Oklahoma Iowa State game. I'm like, both these teams combined for 18 penalties. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't what what is going. I don't well, know what's going on. I have no idea. Was bad, apparently, it was bad in the Baylor West Virginia game too. Was it really? Yeah. This game 26 between the two teams, and I believe that doesn't count when they offset. Like when you offset and there's no wow. penalty yards and you replay it down. Oh, I didn't because there was a. That, yeah. I believe so yeah. in the stats when you That's look crazy. at it, they offset so you replay mm. it down. So I don't think the stats Those there. Don't count. So That's there crazy. was even more because. There was at least two times where we had penalties on both yeah, teams. Yeah, I think one of those kickoffs, right? You had, one of those yeah. kickoffs, I think. Yeah. You had, you had one, so hey, there was probably 30-plus flags. I thought wow. just kind of the, the thing that summed up the officiating, just the, the catastrophe that it was, when Jenny Taft and her sideline report on Tyler Owens' hamstring injury, he was injured on the third opening kickoff. <laughs> I know. Yeah. No, I, I was wondering about that, too. I was like, man, I wonder if you got to sub these guys out. 
Some people are down there like straight up just sprinting, you know, mm-hmm. you know on, on one side. For Texas, obviously, you know, they're returning. But and still, one, you man. returned like for a touchdown and all yeah. ran another 100 yards it's to celebrate. Like, dude, guys have got to be worn out. But, man, it was crazy. Yeah. It's, so that, I believe that's nine, no excuse, though, because no. everybody had to deal with it, by the way. And as Mac Brown used to always say, players play, coaches coach, officials officiate. Can't worry about that. I think 30 minutes into it, there were nine penalties for the first 11 plays. Awful. Just brutal. And, Rod, but what, Rod, what was equally brutal was this game plan on offense because it, was bad. It, it didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Like, you, we talk about, you know, through three games, we've seen three very different ideologies on offense very true. almost. Mm-hmm. You know, you wanted to get the receivers established. And, look, just throw the UTEP game out. It is – you know, like you said, you could probably tell more from a spring. We could, yeah. I guess you could throw it out. But then against Texas Tech, you, you wanted to establish the run and, and, and pound, try to pound Sixty percent early down run rate. I mean, they were running. And, and, and this week, you're just going, you're going, you know, whatever personnel grouping. You're in four wides most of the time, and you're throwing it all over the place. You didn't even try to run the football. They didn't run it enough. That's what uh, I said. I, I, I thought after watching Iowa State film, they try to run it, but they did not. I, and after Keontae got dinged up into the turf after his one big one, too, like it sort of just seemed like right after that. Because you had a few big plays, and then after that, it was like, where did it go? Because yeah. it was really successful the first two or three drives. Because on, re- on, on, on the rewatch, I'll rewatch the game Sunday, I focus mostly on the offensive line because when I rewatch it, that's the group I focus on. I thought in pass protection, they were great all day. Oh, yeah, they, they did. They gave Sam some time. Pressure. Yeah, on those third and longs. But I couldn't. Rod almost had to give them an incomplete in the run game because they didn't run it enough to try to even get into a rhythm. Yeah, it was strange. On the yeah, I agree. That's the rhythm was what was lacking. With it was hit. The game it was plan. hit and miss. Like yeah. the product was hit and miss. So I guess if I was giving them a grade for run blocking, it'd be maybe like a C. Yeah. But overall, it's like you didn't establish it enough for me to even get a feel for. Yeah, how, how they were doing. No, I agree with you. They did not have a kind of like focused attack, right? It was like usually in the run game, you see a weakness on mm-hmm. defense. You recognize a weakness either through the you know your your in you know in, during the week your scouting and your scouting report on them. All right, we know the you know their left defensive end, he's weak against the run, or their interior, they're weak against the run. The outside, line, whatever it is, right? Build the game plan around that. I didn't really see the focus. You know, and I'm usually made to identify the focus in the first couple of drives. Like, oh, man, they're going after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was no focus. It was a very erratic, sporadic game plan. It was all over the place. I think they were just trying to – it was almost like they were feeling their way. Like, oh, let's feel our way through and see what works. And nothing ever worked. There was nothing that actually worked consistently all that game long. The only thing I found really was the stutter move, the, like the giving them a, a double move on the outside. But Using nothing consistently their worked against them, basically. The, yeah, the, and the wide receivers couldn't really separate on traditional routes. They had to scheme them open usually, which also was a, they, against bump and run. They were not very good. And this is this was my, my issue. We good. talked about this with the receiver group all off season. Like, we talked about it, and after the UTEP game, people were like, oh, see, you guys, we're wrong. They, they got great receivers. Yeah, okay, well, there's against UTEP. Let's see what happens when the competition gets kicked up a notch. Mm-hmm. And, Rod, honestly, other than Josh Moore, who was clearly hobbled in this game, yeah, they don't have a number one receiver right now. Jake Smith is probably going to be that guy. He, he could. It's they don't. I don't think they know how to use Jake Smith. I don't think they utilize him correctly either. I mean, they put him in motion a lot, but he should be a part of the backfield action, part of the, a part of the run game. Yeah, they don't or, use him as a part of the run. Or be there's no point in putting him in motion all the damn time if he's not a part of the run game. It's That's just, what TCU does. It's just window dressing. At yeah, that point. it's like well, 
They never give it to him, so all right, you know what? He's a yeah. secondary, he's a secondary threat. We're not worried about it. Or even tertiary because we're they not don't worried take about him anything else serious. Yeah, it's like what do you do? You gotta hand it to him every now and then. What play what play <laughs> clinched the game for TCU? It was a jet, a jet sweep. sweep to Tay Barber. You know what I mean? On like, a third and seven, and he gets nine yards. Yeah, so I don't think they know how to use Jake Smith. Like I don't you know what I saw though? I liked Two back formation. Oh, there you Road go. Road Jordan, Keontae Ingram. Mm-hmm. We're out there together. I felt like that that meme of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV. From, yeah. <laughs> Look at <laughs> it. <laughs> I was it's like, here. oh, there it is. Uh, because, yeah, I was like, oh, too late. I think I only saw it twice, though. They didn't, they didn't do it very often. And they didn't gain yards on the play, so well, no, they'll probably never see it again. It's still, and you pointed it out, but they invent, now I have seen improvements schematically like in play this season, but in pre-snap type or in just any type of uh, formational diversity or using the players in motion, ways that you can use yourself to deceive the defense, like you were saying, it really seems to be the fool's gold, the windows yeah, dressing. It's there, in, but then they're like, well, if we never take the threat, seriously <laughs> then what exactly are you accomplishing with it and that's sort of the worrisome part because like when you see it in game one you're like okay but we sort of said this last year like oh no well they haven't showed it yet maybe they're building something off of it and then it still serves a purpose it still serves a purpose to, to, to for the motion it does you can uh you know you can mess up the defensive alignment you well, also can reveal their man coverage a lot of the times but I think making an ultimate threat, you got to hand off to that guy, make him a part of the run game. Yes, and that's a thing that like last year you didn't see that as much. So that it's okay to have a little bit more, but then like the actual diversity of using your players with those skill sets to then, like you were saying, motion him and then put him into the backfield and stop there to where it actually changes everything yeah. about the offense. Those are the type of things that you aren't seeing the pre-snap motion accomplish. You're just seeing it go and be just like a one quick window dressing thing, or like it basically only seems like a man zone idea. And that's the only reason they do it. Yeah, uh, the offense just shot themselves in the foot way too much. And yeah, the officiating was bad. But I mean, like game the, plan was might have been worse. <laughs> yeah, well, like the the one call to me that really stands out. It's not even the Jake Smith pi. It's the Christian Jones and eligible man downfield. Where that was the Avante Woodard play. The Avante yeah. Woodard catch. Where if Rod, if that if that flag doesn't get thrown. I don't necessarily know that TCU fans are going to be up in arms like, oh, they had an eligible man downfield. They had an eligible man downfield. As long as it was. It was borderline, and it's one of those. He's got to know better, though. He does. Yep, he does. Right. But that's yeah. one of those. Half the times they'll throw it. Half. half that's the time true. They won't. In the RPO then, world, half the times you know it, you can you can see it all the time. But I'll say this: I, what I did like about it, more compliments to the offense, because I know obviously there's more to complain about. Jared Wiley played played well. Yeah, Jerry Wiley needs to play more. I don't want to get my hopes up. Look, you guys Jerry know. Wiley no, when I saw him more. out there, I was like, we got one of those guys that looks like one of those Iowa State guys. You guys know I've more. wasted a lot of breath and brain cells in the history of this podcast yeah. waiting on a five-tool tight end. And I'm not going to get my hopes up, but 18 is the best option you've got at that position. I don't think – because yes. right, even in the run game, like he was getting he was getting his body on – like the one run Roshan Johnson creased. Go back and watch that. Like, yeah, Derek Kersetter and Junior Angulov got a really good push. Jared Wiley leads up in a hole and springs him on that play. Yeah, man. Well, and then two, we yeah. knew he was your best inline guy going into the year, and now that he had two catches and looks better in the receiving game than I've seen a Texas uh, tight end look in uh, I don't know how long. Like even like when Cade Brewers caught passes, and even Andrew Beck, like those were guys that okay, 
If we scheme it right and they're wide open, we can throw we can it to him and they'll catch yeah. it. This, guy beat, this guy was beating one-on-one. <laughs> coverage against DBs. DBs. Burning, off, burning, <laughs> off, and DBs. burning off on a Gary Patterson defense for a 52-yard right? chunk play. Like, yeah, another, like, he got another uh, long catch, too. Um, and he's got that lanky the, leg speed third, where you're lanky legs so you can actually only, be faster. Those are the two catches he had, man. Third and ten. The right? third, yeah, the third yeah. down where he runs like the little square in and just gets I'm with you, man. Play well, more. and if he's showing yeah. that and can Play be a more. good inline guy, like, and then when I think it was the first series, like, you see. The, it was when you were backed up against the goal line and Sam gets sacked. And on that play, I mean, there's an obvious blocking issue on the left side of the line. Kate Brewer's there. You got two linemen in at that point. Like, they aren't reading it right because what ends up on the end of the line is a three-on-two where Brewer's blocking the outside guy. The tackle blocks down with the rest of the line. But TCU just manipulated. So, literally, you're in a part where a guy closest to the quarterback has a free Rain right at Sam comes down for the second. That's just something that it seemed like pre-snap that obviously the tackle and the tight end weren't on the same page, even though they're right next to each other with those players. Like you're playing off of the guy off your shoulder. Normally you're able to not mess up that bad on the read. I don't know who it was on, but it was something that could be easily blocked that easily is just a brain fart that causes another huge play that almost ends up in a safety. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you this, Rod, sticking with the offensive line, and we mentioned him already. Pro football focus loves them some Christian Jones. Do they really? Like, I think Christian Jones, and I'm, I just now got sent the grades from the TCU game. I think he has been the highest graded offensive lineman in every game this year. For wow. Texas? I had to go back and check the I UTEP love how the pro football focus loves, our, loves the Texas offensive line. They did play well in passing situations, though. I'm with you. They, they gave Sam some time to look downfield. Well, and when you have the individual yeah. grading type system where, like, Individual grades are good, but if we're talking about the performance offensive line, individual grades don't necessarily mean anything if you aren't working well as a unit because once you get down to it, it's really hard to parse. It's the same thing with DBs in coverage. Yeah, especially and like, when you don't you have You can do scheme. your best yeah. at grading the performance, but sometimes you're just grading how good you are against the opponent, and the opponent's one player in that one play, so really in context can be a lot of noise that doesn't necessarily equal production yeah, for football. To your point, Matt, you only had two guys on the offensive line that graded out kind of passing grades, if you will, as run blockers. Uh, Christian Jones was at 75-5, and Sam Cosby was at 75-6. Uh, the next closest was Junior Angulau, and he was 64-4. So, okay. yeah, I think. I got to say, though, uh, to, for the offensive line, though, I think it is good these tight ends are starting to assert themselves. And we assume that Cade Brewer is still, you know, considered a starter, and Jared Wiley's now rising up. Malcolm Epps thrown in there as that flex ish flexy tight end. Right? If you use him right, if they he use can him be right, an asset. I think they're using the tight ends pretty good. So as I'm saying, there's I'm not, I want to be you know just uber critical. I think you're, there were some things that Yurcic tried to do. I just think overall they didn't they did not build that game plan to put Sam in a rhythm and to get that offense uh, in, in a groove and I get them confident early. It was just yeah. weird. It to, was, bar- to borrow a term from Tom Herman, I didn't. I didn't feel like they were grab bagging it necessarily, but it just, I don't know. It, it just didn't have any flow. It didn't have any flow. It was clunky, weird. I guess, would be the best way to describe yeah. the offense. Well, and they came out and tried to run the same play on the first play they ran against UTEP, that RPO concept. Yeah. And it just, and once it didn't work and TC was all over it, it seems like, oh, they were like, oh, we didn't score on that play? 
Damn. You mean TCU has better corners than UTEP? <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, it's like, what are we going to do? Well, so it was weird. Well, and the way that you end up being clunky is sort of like we talked about and, you know, all year long we were talking about, man, if you could just fill this roster out to average where everybody's satisfactory and just p- perform normal and you can be as good as your stars. But – if you have everybody making just eh, here, there are no huge mistakes, but uh, each guy makes a mistake at some point of the game, and you stack them all up. That's where a good performance now you can become deficient, and you can look really bad because you are stacking little mistakes over time, and it's that sum, and the sum is not very good right now. Real quick, can we talk about the defense? Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, Juwan Mitchell going down was huge because Juwan Mitchell was having his best game. Yes, it was, was huge. Which yeah. was, and that's a, a, a position they I really breathed of talent. The whole and when you're half. going up against a dual threat quarterback like Max Duggan, that was my concern. So the dual threat quarterback was something that I, the linebackers mostly had to worry about in addition to all of the pre-snap motion and the jet sweeps. And then they also, you know, kind of attacked those linebackers in coverage as well. It, it was a, just a tough day for the linebackers just considering they lost – Jawan Mitchell. You can tell after that, they just started experimenting. And it seems like they settled on Jaquist and Overshone as their top two linebackers with Jawan Mitchell out. Yep, and that was the biggest problem in the second half was because Patterson knew that you had a backup in here and this is the area of the field that we're going to attack more so and you could see some of the biggest plays were yep. manipulating the linebacker in situations. Yeah, man. They, their eyes. Their That's eyes, a yeah. well-coached in-game yeah. adjustment in identifying what the issue is, not overcomplicating, simplifying it and yeah. attacking it. I mean, it. that was the, game, the play that won the game was essentially going after the Texas linebackers in that respect. So that's going to be an issue all year long. Um, but I thought the defense actually, red zone, the red zone defense was magnificent. That's what you want. That's what you want. Situate in the Big 12, you're going to give up yards, man. And you got good D line still. Yeah. Uh, real quick, Rod, you know, corner, we talked we talked a little bit about the corners. Um, yeah. I don't know if I would call the corners good in this mm-hmm. game, but they were better. They were better. They were better. I agree with that. Like I said, they, I don't know if they were good either, but they were better. I think the corners will get better. They're still not getting an adequate enough jam, but they're going up against better athletes, more, and more better athletes. The too, only the only play a corner made that really just kind of made me, you know, just cringe. Just cringe was the deep ball to Quentin Johnston, where Josh Thompson just got completely turned around. Yeah, yeah. Josh, he's got he's got. I mean, he's got his hips are. Yeah, he doesn't have really flexible hips. He doesn't have loose hips, so he's got tight hips. So every now and then, he, you can see him get turned around like that. And, and if you're if you're a Texas fan, with looking at this series, and when we'll touch, we got a couple minutes here. We can touch on Oklahoma. The frustrating thing when we talk about this TCU series of getting it going the other way, if you're Tom Herman, you missed your window to do that because when you, when you look at this roster, right, mm-hmm. the TCU, it was got, the year you had. You've, year. you've got Max Duggan for two years. Oh, no. You've got at least two more matchups with Quentin Johnston, who, by the way, was a guy you had committed at one point. He's probably the best receiver on the field. I could say he looks Seven. good. I, he's a good-looking receiver, too. Yeah. yeah, I like his body type. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you, those those running backs are all young guys. Zach Evans. And they Darn spread it Barlow. around, too. They, you know, it, It's like everybody get a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and good Lord, man, some of those young guys on defense, with, I know Tomlinson in the corner and, gosh, Kari Coleman at defensive end. He made that one play where he almost, like that, I went back and watched the game that Texas was kind of backed up. And they had that just kind of – it looked like a busted play. I think Sam just made the wrong read on a – it was a kind of a read option deal. Mm-hmm. If you watch, because Coleman crashes down on the running back. Sam makes the right read. Coleman just at the last second like sticks a foot in the ground and then goes after Ellinger. It's like, dude, you just have to credit. That dude just made a hell of a play. Processes information extremely That's a quickly. true freshman. Yeah, Patterson exactly. Doing that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's instincts then. I think you just, missed your, you just missed your window to try to get this TCU series a little more palatable because it doesn't look like they're going anywhere anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, your freshman quarterback, whoever he's going to be, redshirt freshman, 
I don't know. Maybe it's Casey Thompson, but I doubt it. That's that's not gonna fare well up against GP. Well, I mean, hey, we talked about if things go bad this year, maybe Sam comes back. The way things are trending right now, I <laughs> you know what? Until right now, I was like, it's not wow. going to happen. But you needed this to happen. You needed the championship to be stripped away and chances to not be and there. And him to underachieve a little. And, and he's underachieved a little. <laughs> if you want Sam back, Texas needs to lose I'm to Oklahoma. Saying. Well, you know what? Since we're not going to win the Big 12, screw it. Let's just really suck, and then we'll get Sam back. <laughs> and real quick, though, there was one, there's one, and I think this kind of encapsulates the day offensively. T- they force a TCU punt. They've got the lead, and there's what eight minutes left. That drive, the three and out, where they just—I don't know. That drive, they just took the air out of the ball. That was strange. I, I don't know what they were doing. Was it three straight? No, it was two. It was two run plays and a pass. Yeah, at the end, and right? then Sam kind of got some pressure and had to get the ball off. Yeah, it's like at the last minute. And so you don't have a money. You don't. You don't have money plays. I guarantee you, if you know a great play caller in that situation. You're going to have a couple of money plays yep. or plays that have worked. And, and the mesh concept was working, actually. They were doing a great job with the rub routes. Oh, yeah. They were able to pick the TCU Jake defenders. Smith. Right? It just, I don't know. They didn't, have, they didn't seem like they had any money plays. It seemed like they were, gonna, they were trying to sit on the lead. But to bring, it, to bring it full circle, to bring this conversation full circle, that was almost the exact same situation we saw last year in the Iowa State game where you've got a lead, you've got the ball late, you need to move it to salt the game away, and you just completely wasted a drive and had a three and out. I would say the only difference is Iowa State. Not, you, know, you knew what wasn't what wasn't working. You knew what was working. You knew your passing game was working and your running game sucked. And you purposefully <laughs> you did what world. sucked instead of doing what was working. This game, you didn't have it. You didn't have any consistent concept that was working for you. Well, until Nothing after, was working. Well, other so than I understand the why they could have been erratic at the end and not knowing what to go with. So you, you think mean? it was just a case of every th- all the bad stuff that we saw throughout the day offensively just caught up to him on that drive? Yeah, he, they didn't they didn't calculate what was going to work consistently. Like, okay, these three things are going to work. Let's use these three things on this drive. Let's go. When, right? The one thing yeah. that was where the Jake Smith, you know, when he just lines up against the grain and goes underneath, he scored the touchdown. The but then he house, had the, the mess yes, concept. exactly, like yeah. you said. But it ended up being the touchdown. But then on third and four, the drop, and maybe they were not. I remember comp, that drop. But the, and he would have ran for a touchdown. He, he, he nobody, would have. No, it's 60-yard TD, and uh-huh. it's what he caught his TD on. It's why CeeDee Lamb had yeah. his two TDs yesterday. He was catching a – everybody, that's the go-to play in football right now because it's almost indefensible. Yep. It basically is what LSU – ran against us just for third and 17 a little bit further downfield because they needed more yeah. yardage but it's the same concept Especially when they put them in where motion dragging first. Across. exactly yeah. and but after that drop I don't know where they were mentally now you don't want to give up if that's your play and that's your guy you feed him and keep going if anything to give them confidence but that was working and they didn't go back to it after that drop yeah that's a good point well we'll see if any of this changes for the Oklahoma game uh, this is wow. one guys where Oklahoma's off to an 0-2 starting conference play for the first time since 1998. John Blake's last hmm. year. The last time OU lost that? their first two Big 12 games. Yeah. These are times we're in. You mean Oklahoma's got a chance to lose three in a row in, in conference play? we got to go back and see the last time that happened. It opened the game at one and a half. And it was a big, big, big now you have. Oh, was it just four, had, they yeah. had a meltdown that year? Oh, it was John Blake's last year. So uh, yeah, they were, meltdown, okay. Get out of there. <laughs> but yeah, it ended up being a one and a half opening line for OU's favor by one and a half. But a lot of bets going to Texas. The big money came in on Oklahoma. It moved up to two and a half. And if you look, it's like 70% of bets are on Texas, but it's like 85% of the money's on Oklahoma. And that's what moved the line in. I think it'll oh. keep moving the line unless wow. a lot of money comes back in on Texas. That's crazy.
Yeah, I'm trying to look at it. But I was like, yeah, Texas only favored by two, down by two and a half, less than a field goal. How about that? Yeah, William Hill doesn't have the money line posted yet. They just got the Texas two and a half. Yeah, money line will be Texas as an underdog. That's good news. Losing that money. That's good news, guys. Tom Herman loves this role. It shouldn't be, though, Rod. He shouldn't be. Over under 70 and a half. It actually went down half a point. Mm, that's a good point. I don't know. The defense is improving. Yeah, I don't know what to say because Oklahoma's defense is struggling. Oh, God. And it's going to be like 50 to 48. And, and Oklahoma, yeah. Oklahoma guys, can't, they can't run the football right now. They, yeah. they cannot run they the They cannot protect either. Yeah. And Their offensive lines may be in worse case than ours. And maybe that's what's wrong with the offense because it just doesn't look like a Lincoln-Rally offense right now. It doesn't. They can't, they can't run the football. Yeah. They're not Fair. balanced enough. And I, don't even, I, don't even think it's, I don't even think it's their backfield talent, Rod, because, I mean, you see McGowan and Pledger, you see those guys pop one every McGowan's now and then. McGowan's really good. I think yeah. they're dealing with some of the same issues Texas is right now. There's, there's just no consistency to it. And the offensive line, yeah, I'm, I'm with Matt. That's strange that they're struggling. You yeah. don't, I haven't seen that in And then, five, I mean, Rambo's years, a good top-end guy, and Stogner's like they're you know, tight end that's going to line up in the backfield and all <laughs> over. But that's all the they same problems Texas do. I don't think Oklahoma has a number one receiver right now. Yeah. Rambo, yeah. I'd say Rambo. Rambo yeah. is, tr- yeah, he's close as it gets, but you're right. I don't but I think in any other year where Oklahoma's got no, a CD right. Lamb or a Hollywood Brown, Rambo's probably a really good number two. Yep. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because those other guys you said are stars in the <laughs> NFL. So, I don't know, guys. It's going to be the weirdest man. environment for a Texas OU game ever. And Oh, man. This is going to be interesting to break it down this surreal. week because I have no idea what we're going to see from either of these teams. Yeah, I just wonder. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. If, if Lincoln Riley's never been here before in this situation either. That's it. That's what I want to see how he responds. He is. He flipped. You know, we know he's a great game. coach. We know he's awesome. But he's been awesome in what has seemed to be kind of the the same situation year after year, inheriting a veteran quarterback, implement him in the system, which has been miraculous. But man, now you know the fit is at the shed. He's up against the wall. I wonder how he's going to respond. He flipped. He went Bob Stoops mad in that fourth quarter of the Iowa State game. He Good. Was, Maybe yeah. you need to see that. If Maybe there, that's it. If there's any saving grace Texas fans can take right now, Rod, <laughs> anything silver, any kind of silver lining they can find, we know Tom Herman's had his back to the wall before. Oh, this one is good. And when he has – He's been good. It's just, I just you think the fans are open. tired of situations where they're seeing Tom Herman with his back up to the wall. Yeah, urgency's there. The thing is, is he wants are us you going to give up on him first? Yes, and cuss him out. Normally, you don't and get four times. Dog cuss him, yeah. and you know, tap some of my Longhorn stuff, and then he's going to start winning games. Is that well, what it takes every year? We got to well, go through this. That's the thing. I'm like, tired of this relationship. I'm tired of the way this relationship is going. Because all the other ones have broken up. <laughs> yeah. Charlie, he was broken right? up after four of these. Yes. Matt gets a new staff. He was gone within four. of those these Brutal. four years of having it happen uh, and the urgency back against the wall save your job go time Total. i need a tylenol all right let's uh <laughs> we'll we'll be, we'll be back next week to talk about texas ou and hopefully uh hopefully it's a victory edition of longhorn blitz the next time we reconvene ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, 
every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 1019 AM, 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B. on the triple option each and every weekday from 3 to 7. James Buck. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives, classic interviews, and shows. Everything is available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to like us and leave us a review anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, just search Horns 24-7 Podcast to get us, State of Recruiting, and the flagship, again, just by searching Horns 24-7 Podcast. And don't forget to like us and leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. CBS Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in Orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.